It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. For boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Bet $100 and get $100 at WinBet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Final Four Watch Party April 1st at 7.30 p.m. SGP will be at the Ice House in Los Angeles. So come hang out with the crew. All the info is at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. Howdy-o, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 315. This one's going out to the State Athletic Commission of Texas for not being the State Athletic Commission or the National Athletic Commission of England. We appreciate you, despite the fact that you have had your own uh, jaded history. Now, who am I to dedicate an episode to anyone I am the host of this here podcast, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. I am coming to you today as the lead host just a couple more times before uh, before we turn back the reins over to Jeff Chalks Fox, who is still on a luxurious vacation out on the open seas. So uh, he will be back in short order. And in the meantime, I am filled with a co-host who is uh, or, or joined by a co-host who has now beaten me a couple weeks in a row in terms of picks, uh, Andy you know, hit a pretty nice dog and a uh, prop last week, and we're going to try to do it all over again this week for UFC San Antonio. Of course, I'm talking about Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, uh, not necessarily the prelims that look as good as UFC in London, but uh, there's a couple of ones I'm excited about here. Yeah, there's there's a couple good ones, especially that uh, <clears throat> Alex Perez Manel Cape fight. Can't wait to talk about that one. I've, I'm always high on Manel Cape, but uh, you know, as we'll talk about, he, he I don't think he's truly shown just how good he is i do think he is going to make a well i hope so make a run for the title eventually but yeah there's 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 some there's some decent uh decent fights on here some uh some lesser known fighters but they usually uh you know say it a lot but sometimes these cards make for the best cards that's right and we'll at least get a live crowd in this one too which i appreciate so i love those, that yeah it, it's it's such an underrated point and like i i don't hate the apex i think as much as some people do um, because I know, like, sometimes you hear people talk about the Apex and they're like, you know, like it's the worst thing in the world and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't hate it quite the same way as other people do. But I will say for a fight like Marlon Chitovera versus Corey Sanhagen, it just seems wrong to have that behind closed doors. It seems wrong to put that where fans can't go nuts because this is going to be a crazy main event. And so, of course, the right place to have it is the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas. Okay, maybe not the best arena to have it in, but um, it is a regional card. It is not getting the Apex treatment. And, of course, I appreciate the hell out of all of that. So we're going to get to that main event and all the other great main card fights on tomorrow's show. So if you're listening to this now on Wednesday, 
Uh, tomorrow's show will be out Thursday. That'll have the main card as well as our lock dog prop uh, segment and our Hungry Man Jong Super Fan Parlay. So you can catch all of that on the Thursday show. So if you're listening to us on Thursday, stand by. That's probably coming out in no time flat. If you listen to it on Wednesday, you may have to wait a day. Um, and you're still going to get some great picks here today on Wednesday because we're going to be running down the prelims, which is probably what I should get to doing. So let us uh, commence here with the first prelim of the night, and that is women's bantamweight. We got Tamiris Vidal versus Haley Cowan. Tamiris Vidal, nicknamed Tretora. She's 24 years old, seven foot or seven and one on her career. Not seven foot one. That would be pretty impressive, though. Seven and one on her career. She's five foot six with a 68 inch reach. That's going to put her as two inches shorter than Cowan and one inch less of reach. She's one and oh in the UFC. She knocked out Ramona Pasquale with a flying knee in her debut. Before that, she was one and oh in LFA. And she was the champion of a SGPN favorite promotion beforehand. She was the Samurai Fight House champion out of South America. So it's uh, one of the the running inside jokes here. Samurai Fight House, Tamiris Vidal coming to us from there. Haley Cowan, nickname All Hail. She's 31 years old. She's seven and two in her professional career. As I said, five foot eight. So that's going to give her two inches of height, one inches of reach. She is making her UFC debut after having her debut canceled a couple of weeks ago. She was 1-0 in Invicta, 1-0 on the Contender Series in 5-2, where she spent most of her career, which was LFA. Earlier in her career, she fought at 125 pounds. It's worth noting that, like, she used to be able to make it. Seems like she probably can't anymore. She definitely bulked up. If you're looking for odds on this one, Tamiris Vidal, slight underdog, plus 115. Haley Cowan, negative 140. I will cede the first pick to my guest this week. Kurt, who you got in this one? You know, looking at, at both these girls' records, some some film on them, they both have uh, a decent amount of finishes. Uh, they both look like they can finish. Um, uh, Cowan is coming off a win on the Contender Series, where uh, uh, Vidal is coming off, what, two, two straight finishes? I guess you could say three. She had the illegal knee win in the aforementioned Samurai Fight House. I kind of like the dog odds on uh, on Vidal. She's uh she's young, she's aggressive, she looks to finish. She's got some uh she's got some solid striking. She's explosive. Yeah, give me the give me the underdog odds on uh, Vidal. I'm gonna ride with you on this one too. I'm gonna take a dog out of the gate, which I think I've done a couple of weeks in a row now. And and the reason I like it here is we we actually broke down a Haley Cowan fight two or three weeks ago. Um, where she was supposed to fight Aileen Perez. The fight got canceled at the time of the fight. There were some weird medical things going on with Cowan. And I said the reason I liked Haley Cowan against Aileen Perez is, is that Cowan is a physical athlete. She's very physically strong. I see problems with her putting her full game together, though. Like, she, sometimes her wrestling and her striking doesn't look like it blends together well. Sometimes she's in the clinch and doesn't seem to just know how to turn that clinch into a single leg takedown. Um, so, like, I, I don't love how she doesn't seem polished in a bunch of spots. But she does use her physical strength to just kind of get her by here and there. And against Tamaris Vidal, I think that's going to be hard. Vidal is really well-skilled. Like you said, she can finish from anywhere. I've seen her hit a heel hook. She had a heel hook yeah. in LFA against a really good opponent too. Um, you know, flying knee last time out. You know, I've seen her with some Kimura work. Like she's great on the ground. She's sharp on the feet. I think she blends things together well. And I think she can match a little bit of that athleticism. You know, she is a little bit stockier, but she's younger. I think as long as she can match a little of that strength for strength against Haley Cowan and not just get pinned against the cage, 
I think she can come out on top in this one. So I like the slight dog money here on Vidal. Let us, uh, let's both ride with Tamiris Vidal. All right. And that brings us to, actually, before we get to our second fight, let me tell you a little bit about WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and a ton of other states. Be on the lookout for WinBet's Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet's Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. And March Madness is here, and there are so many ways to bet on the big dance. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And of course, for our DGENs only, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you're going to get a $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head on over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app now. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also, the SGP guys are going to be hosting a Final Four watch party at the historic Ice House in Pasadena, California, Saturday, April 1st at 7.30 p.m. Get all the details at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. And if you want even another chance to hang out with Sean and Ryan, you can do so at Stadium Swim and watch the biggest golf tournament in the world. You can win a three-night stay at the Circa Las Vegas to hang with the guys. The contest to do so is completely free to enter, which you can find at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash golf party. And if you don't win, you can still get a discount on the room using promo code SGP15. All right, let's get back to the fights. Uh, we are moving on now. Let me just sp- move my spreadsheet. Two flyweights, Venetia Salvador versus Victor Altamirano. Let us start with Salvador first. Phenomino, which means phenomenal, phenom, 26 years old. He's 14 and four, five foot seven with a 70 and a half inch reach. That's going to put him an inch shorter than Altamirano, but exactly the same in all other regards. This is his UFC debut. He was, of course, one and zero on the Contender Series where he won his contract with a big TKO finish of Shannon Ross. Altamirano, meanwhile, El Magnifico. I'll let you guess what that means. 32 years old. He's 11 and 2 as a professional. One inch taller. One and one in the UFC. Before that, he was 1 and 0 in Contender Series. And he was 9 and 0 in LFA, which is where he spent his entire career prior. Nine fights in LFA. One in Contender Series. One in the UFC. Uh, and then he was the LFA 125 champ. So he did rise to the top of that division. Vegas odds on this one are even, though. Negative 110 in both camps. Uh, and I believe it's my turn to pick first. So I, I will kick this one off. I'm going to take... I'm going to take Venetia Salvador in this fight. I, I've been back and forth a little bit on this one. The, the win over Shannon Ross uh, bodes really well, in my opinion. He looked really good. If you go back and you look at his last loss, which has been like four years since he lost, it was to Jafel Filo. Which, in retrospect, man, like, dude, how good did Jafal Filo look this past week? Like, you know, I, I that, yeah, that that's a guy whose stock is, is skyrocketed for me. So, you know, I like the fact that he went in there and he struck with Ross. If you look at how he looked in that fight, too, he does a good job of getting his head out of the way. He stays out of trouble. And I'm going to say the exact opposite about Altamirano here. Altamirano... When he was fighting Daniel Da Silva, who we're going to talk about later on this show, is a guy who just, like, wants you to knock him out. He actually got dropped by Da Silva first. He was throwing these, like, naked leg kicks. He was staying in range too long. He wasn't moving his head. And I think that he's going to have a lot of trouble here with Venetia Salvador if he does similar things. So give me Venetia Salvador on this one. And I like 
the fact that this is pretty close to even money. Yeah, I'm going Vinicius Salvador, too. I think he's a little bit more explosive on the feet. I do think Altamirano probably has a bit of an advantage, advantage in the wrestling grappling department. But like you said, he kind of he, he's a little bit too willing to, to stay on the feet and accept, you know, what I think is going to be Vinicius Salvador's, uh, uh, you know, stronger point here. Salvador, if you look at his record, doesn't go a decision. Right, he has one decision lost on his record. Other than that, he's either finishing or getting finished. So I see a finish here as well. Give me a Vinicius Salvador. Yeah, and when we did the uh, the stats earlier in the year, we actually talked about this right around New Year's. Flyweight finishes are coming in at an insane rate. Like, I know that, like, everybody sees a flyweight fight and they're like, ah, there's no way. That's going to the cards. The light guys don't finish fights. It was something like in, in 2022, there were like 54% finishes at flyweight. And, and that's like, you know, hit the under on this one. You know, like if you're looking for another avenue on this one, that's probably not the, a bad move. Um, yeah, let, let's move on to lightweights now then. We've got Manuel Torres versus Trey Ogden. Manuel Torres, El Loco. He's 27 years old, 13 and 2 in his professional career. He's Five foot ten with a seventy-three inch reach. That's gonna put him one inch shorter, but with a one inch reach advantage. One and zero in the UFC. He was one and zero on Contender Series where he beat Colton Englund. He's actually got four knockouts in a row, including knocking out Frank Camacho last time out. Uh, so he's on a hell of a run. Trey Ogden, nicknamed the Samurai Ghost, thirty-three years old. He is sixteen and five in his professional career, an inch taller, an inch less of reach. He's 1-1 so far in the UFC, 1-0 in Bellator before that, 3-1 in LFA. He's coming off that win over Daniel Zellhuber, which was his first in his UFC career. Um, this is kind of a funky one at, at 155. Manuel Torres, the relatively more newcomer here, negative 145. Trey Ogden, plus a buck 20. Who you got in this one? This is a tough one. This is a pretty interesting match. If you, if you look at the records and watch some tape, Trey Ogden... All about the sub game. He's trying to get you to the ground. He's trying to control you on the ground. Where, like you said, Torres, four straight knockouts. Um, he's definitely going to be looking to keep it on the feet. I kind of like the dog odds again. I, I feel like I feel like Ogden is going to be able to get the fight to the ground. He's going to have to weather some storm on the feet. But I think if and when he does get it to the ground, that's where his best work is going to come. I like the dog odds here. Give me uh, Trey Ogden by Rudeke Choke. Ooh, I like that we're going a little above and beyond there. I'm up. I've been back and forth on this fight about seven times. I'm actually going to differ with you on this one. I, I'm going to take Manuel Torres. I, I thought I was going to take Trey Ogden, and actually Trey Ogden is the guest on my podcast this week, the Top Turtle MMA podcast, which you can, of course, get wherever you get podcasts. Um, he's a guest this week. I really do like him, and I like his wrestling game. I am a little bit worried because I've never really seen anybody take down Manuel Torres. Like, he was hitting Frank Camacho so hard that Frank Camacho was like, give me, I got to shoot a takedown here. Uh, And Frank Camacho is a a rough, tough customer, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't hit Frank Camacho and he not say, like, thank you, sir, may I have another. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. And he shot five takedowns in that fight, Frank Camacho did, which just begs the question, like, what does it feel like to get hit by Manuel Torres? Um, and he stuffed all those takedowns from Camacho. He stuffed all the ones from Colton England in the fight before that. Are those the same level grappler as Trey Ogden? No, definitely not. But with that being said, I still think I like him to keep it on the feet enough. I worry a little bit about Trey Ogden striking uh, and whether or not it holds up. 
He's definitely a little bit older. He's definitely a little bit slower. So I'm going to go with the young gun here in Torres. All right. And that brings us back to the flyweight division, which is where we were a second ago. We got CJ Vergara versus Daniel Da Silva, the aforementioned Daniel Da Silva. Vergara, we'll start with. He's 31 years old. That's five years older than Da Silva. 10-4-1 in his professional career. He's five foot six with a 68-inch reach. Exact same height, two inches less of reach. He's 1-2 so far in the UFC. He was 1-0 on Contender Series, 0-1 in LFA. Over his last four fights, he's alternated wins and losses in each of them. The last one was a submission loss to Tetsuya Taira, which, of course, uh, that's a loss that age pretty damn well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tara is a beast. When yeah, do we great. see him again? <laughs> um, and Daniel Da Silva, uh, let's take it to him. His nickname is Moi Joe, which means uh, ramen noodles. Uh, he is 26 years old, five years younger than Vergara, 11 and four in his pro career, two inches of reach. He's 0-3 in the UFC, and here we are seeing him again. Two and one in Shudo before that. He has multiple regional championships on his mantle, but he is a massive underdog in this fight. Plus 210 to the negative 275 for Vergara. I do have to tell you, as somebody who does love a flyweight dog here and there, I'm going chalk here. I, I like CJ Vergara. My big problem in this fight is Daniel De Silva just keeps putting himself in awful positions. You know, I mentioned it before when we were talking about him fighting Altamirano. He just like hung out in front of Romano and waited to get hit. I mean, he's the only guy to lose to Francisco Figueredo in the UFC where he just was like, hey, buddy, have you ever seen what a knee bar looks like? Go ahead and put me in one. Um, you know, like De Silva is electric on the feet and he's like a fun striker. But man, does he just look so bad sometimes? And I think Vergara is going to take advantage of it. So give me Vergara on the chalk. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm going Vergara as well. I think uh, he's a little bit. He, he he's solid, man. Again, he he faced Clemson Rodriguez is pretty solid too, and he's got a win over him. Ode Osborne has some experience, and uh, yeah, Tetsuya Tyra is just that that you're going to be hearing that name for a while. Um, give me Vergara. Uh, like you said, David De Silva. He just um seems to get in his own way, uh, you know, more than being able to show off his uh, own skills. So I'm going, I'm going chalk here as well. Yeah. And it's worth noting too. He's just like, and this is a uh, phrase we use all the time on the show, but this is a dude with a crazy low fight IQ. Um, He just like goes to the wrong places all the time. So fade the bad fight IQ. Yeah. I was going to say he is fighting for his job though. You know, sometimes he was last time too. And he hung out with the guy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. You got me there. Yeah, true, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And he's going to do it again. He's, <laughs> he's got to do it again. And the thing is, CJ Vergara, you know, you mentioned the three tough guys he's fought in the UFC. He also fought Bruno Correa uh, in yeah. uh, Contender Series, and he knocked him out with a shot to the body. So, like, uh, he, he can stand and bang with people. I think he can stand and bang with De Silva. Um, all right. And before we get move into our next fight, I have to let you know that we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. Their college pick is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted like mine is after day one. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props. Head on over to sports or uh, underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for an 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. 
Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. All right. Let us now move to welterweights. We got Trevin, the problem, Giles versus Preston Pressure Parsons. Let's start with Giles first. 30 years old. He is 15 and 4 in his professional career. He's 6 foot tall, 74 inch reach. Slight height, slight reach advantage for him. He's 6 and 4 in the UFC. He's been there for a while. He was 1 and 0 in LFA before that. He is going to be a slight underdog, negative 105, to Preston Parsons, who is 27 years old, 10 and 3 in his pro career. Like I said, he's going to be a little bit shorter at 5'11", with a little bit less reach. 1-1 in the UFC. He was 2-1 in Titan before that. Uh, and he is going to be a slight favorite to Trevin Giles, negative 115. Uh, I believe it is your turn. It is. And I honestly, this might be my favorite fight on the prelims i think this is a really well-matched fight i think uh you know preston parsons his last step up he got knocked out by danny rodriguez right no shame in that but again he's taken a bit of a step up here i mean trevor giles does have a win over uh roman delize yeah that's crazy he's also yeah he's <laughs> also fought uh you know drakis deplice michael morales so he's got some uh tough guys on his record uh i'm gonna go with the favorite here i like Preston Parsons. Preston Parsons is another guy that is, uh, you know, he's going to look to implement a grapple-heavy um, strategy. And again, like I, I think he's he's, he's going to have to weather some on the feet because Trevin Giles is explosive, does have good striking, but I see Parsons um, able to get takedowns. I think he's going to be able to grind it out and uh, give me Preston Parsons here, man. I really yeah. like the fight though. Yeah, this is a fun fight because, like you said, Preston Parsons really great grappler. And and if you remember back that Trevin Jones versus Roman Delize fight, he got a little bit of his wrestling going. That's kind of what threw Delize off. And, yeah. and Delize's only other UFC loss, I think he probably caught Delize with some octagon jitters. And I will say this about Trevin Giles. Here's my biggest problem with him, because sometimes he looks like the guy who beat Roman Delize, right? And then other times he looks like a guy who got submitted by Gerald Mearshart or submitted by Zach Cummins or knocked out by Dreykus Duplices or submitted by, or knocked out by Michael Morales. Like he's been finished a lot in the UFC and it tends to be when he's shooting too many takedowns or getting too obsessed with his takedowns. And maybe that's good here. Maybe that winds up not being a problem against Preston Parsons because he doesn't want to be on the ground with him. But I do see just like, if, if Zach Cummins can tag you and wobble you and you're going to panic, shoot a takedown there and get subbed, Man, dude, I can see Parsons doing the same thing. I think Parsons could tag him on the feet, get him wobbly, make him shoot a takedown guillotine choke or move to the back and take the rear naked choke. I think Parsons and I think Parsons here by sub is probably a good prop play, too. Yeah. Uh, And let's move on then to our sixth fight on the prelims, uh, which I believe is our second to last on these prelims. That is a 145 pound bout between Steve and Ocho Peterson and Lucas the Lion Alexander. Ocho is 32 years old. He's 19 and 10 in his pro career. 
five foot ten in a 70 inch reach. That's going to put him with three inches reach disadvantage and an inch shorter. He's three and four in the UFC. He was two and one in LFA before that. One and one in Bellator and oh and one on the contender series. He most recently lost to Juice CJ, Julian Arosa, one of my favorite nicknames in the sport. Uh, Lucas, the Lion Alexander, 27 years old. That's going to put him five years younger than Ocho. Seven and three in his pro career. He's a little taller, got three inches of reach advantage. Owen won in the UFC. He lost his debut. Before that, he won his contract to get to the UFC by winning on Anthony Pettis Fight Club, which is always uh, a fun promotion to, to check out, where he uh, he knocked out, well, actually TKO Jacob Kilburn, UFC veteran. His UFC debut did not go well, though. He lost to Joe Anderson Brito, who is, uh, of course, you know, one of those guys who looks brilliant at some moments and looks terrible at others. Um, Lucas Alexander, the younger fighter here, going to come in as a slight dog, plus 130. Ocho Peterson, the favorite at negative 165. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to go dog here. I think people are sleeping on Lucas Alexander because of the fact that he looked, I mean, he didn't look good in his debut, right? But Joe Anderson Brito is a guy who, I mean, he made Andre Feely look bad uh, at times. But also, you know, like, uh, I mean, you also want to roll back Joe Anderson Brito and just like make fun of him for a second. He also made Bill Algio look uh, untouchable. Um, so like he's the type of guy who makes Bill Algio look great and the type of guy who makes Andre Feely look bad, which I can't quite put a uh, name on. But yes, he, he got in there and he got Lucas Alexander out early. But I think Lucas Alexander is so much more than that. You look at him on the regional scene. Yeah, he's fought a low level of competition, but he's got good hands. He's got good range. And like, I don't see Steven Peterson wrestling him here. Uh, I think this is largely stay striking. I like that he's younger. I like that he's faster. I like that he's got better range. I like that more than likely he's got uh, more a better chance of knocking him out. And all of his losses have come by submission. So, I mean, maybe Steven Peterson would make it would make a lot of sense for him to wrestle him. But I don't think he's gonna. So I'm going to take Lucas Alexander here as the uh, as the slight dog. It's a tough one to call again. Like I, the, the the Steven Peterson having seven subs on his record. And Lucas Alexander having what what three three, three sub losses all of his three losses. sub losses kind of screaming at me. Um, I do like the dog here in Lucas Alexander because I do think this is this is a, sol- a really well matched up fight. But I'm gonna go Stephen Peterson here. He's got a little bit more experience. And again, those those three sub losses are screaming to me. Maybe he doesn't get him out of there, but I think he at least at least recognizes that and tries to get the fight to the ground. Um, give me Peterson by sub. Why not? Yeah, that that's not a bad. I will say if you're going to play him, you might as well play him by sub because I don't think he's going to knock him out. I, I don't see this being a I mean, it could be a war on the feet, but I think Lucas Alexander holds the advantage there. I, and, I and, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And as you mentioned, like the submission wins for him, it, it's been a little bit, but like he does have safe side in his corner, which is always, you safe know, great, a very smart game planner. Yeah, he's that's the great equalizer in this one. So uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if he does wind up using that game plan. And if he does, it could be dangerous. But part of me thinks this is going to going to devolve into these two trying to knock each other out. And I kind of hope it does. Um, All right. That brings us to our very last fight on these prelims, the seventh of seven fights. And I'm, of course, back at uh, featherweight rather. Uh, Daniel, the Pitt Pineda versus Tucker, Top Gun Lutz. So let's start with Pineda first. The Pitt is 37 years old. He's going to be nine years older than Tucker Lutz. He is 27, 14, 
in three no contests. Let's talk about those no contests for a quick second. Twice he had fights in PFL overturned due to a positive drug test. And once he had a fight go to no contest in the UFC due to an illegal eye poke from his opponent. So he's had three of those fights erased, but still has 41 in the win-loss columns. He's five foot seven with a 70-inch reach. He's going to be one inch shorter and two inches less of reach. He's five and one with one of those aforementioned no contests on his UFC record. He was one in four in Bellator before this. And uh, 0-0 in two no contests in PFL. Of course, both of those fights were actually wins. So a uh, little bit better of a record than that leads on. Um, Tucker Lutz, meanwhile, top gun, nine years younger at 28 years old. He's 12 and two in his pro career. So way less mileage on the tank. Little taller, little more reach. One and one in his UFC career. He was 2-0 and on Contender Series. They made him fight twice in the same season in order to get on that uh, on the roster. And his only loss was in his last fight, or his only UFC loss, rather, was in that last fight. It was to grappling ace Pat Sabatini, who he lost to by decision. So uh, Pineda comes into this fight, massive underdog, plus 230. Tucker Lutz, minus 300. And we'll give the last one to the guest here. Kurt, who are you picking in this one? This this might come back to bite me, but I got to go fun here. Give me the underdog in Daniel Pineda. Daniel Pineda, 27 professional wins all 27 by finish 18 subs nine ko's i think he gets it done um in the distance again he he's got it stacked against him but man i like the dog the dog odds here i think he could finish on the feet i think he could finish on the mat um he's a bit older in the tooth he's got way more miles on him but uh dude he is super fun to watch uh give me daniel pineda big underdog here yeah, Daniel Pineda is one of those guys who, like, dude, he's not going to be in a boring fight. No, like, never. And even when it gets, like, real grapple-heavy, he's not in a boring fight. I do just worry that in this fight, like, Tucker Lutz spent three rounds on the ground with Pat Sabatini. Uh, and, and that's not easy to do. It's not easy to spend 15 minutes on the ground with Pat Sabatini. And it was damn near a full 15 minutes, too, because I'm looking at the control time right now in the stats. Pat Sabatini had top control for 11 minutes in that fight, 10.55. And didn't sub him. Uh, and if you don't get sub with Pat Sabatini suffocating you like that, I don't think Pineda's going to do that. So if Pineda's going to get him out there, it's going to have to be with the hands. Now, he certainly Agreed. can. Um, he certainly could get it done with the hands or the ground and pound and stuff like that. But I think Lutz is just going to have the positional advantages here. I think his wrestling's a little better. I know it's boring to take the negative 300 favorite here out the back, but like, I'm going to take the negative 300 favorite here. I think Tucker Lutz is the right play. And, uh, it could, let's put it this way. If this fight goes to decision, Tucker Lutz. If this fight ends in a stoppage, Daniel Pineda. Uh, But that being said, I think it goes probably the distance and give me, uh, give me Lutz on this one. All right. So that is all seven of our fights. Let me run down quickly with you guys. uh, What our picks were once again, and then we will do some quick housekeeping and get you on with your day. So, in the main events of the prelims, if you so want to call it that, I've got Tucker Lutz and Kurt has got Daniel Pineda. In the co-main, we split again. I took Lucas Alexander and he took Steven Peterson. We both are in on Preston Parsons to get the job done. We're both in on CJ Vergara. He's in on Trey Ogden. I'm in on Manuel Torres. We both liked Venetia Salvador. And we both liked the dog in the opener, Tamiris Vidal. Okay. So that is all five of the prelims for you guys. We got six main card fights coming to you tomorrow. 
So make sure you check your feeds for those on Thursday. In the meantime, if you would like to check out more of what we're doing, you can check that out on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. I've got all kinds of writings going up there each and every week, including basketball and MLB content, as well as UFC stuff as well. You might also see the triumphant return of Jeff Chalks Fox and some of his writing at sportsgamblingpodcast.com this week as well. In the meantime, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, the show is at SGPNMMA. And I'm at Gumby Freeland. Kurt is at KCPKO. So give us all a follow there. If you want to chat with us, come fight time. Make sure you check out the Discord. I didn't mention it yet on this show, but it's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. It's where all the good stuff is going down. And make sure to get in on our prop contest. It is officially the last week for the prop contest. Some of the prizes have already been decided, but the one that hasn't, if you can hit the biggest prop of the contest this week, you could still take home some SGPN merch, including, uh, you know, like there's a shirt officially with the Gumby logo on it. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, so uh, with that being said, I think that's everything. Um, and if it is, isn't, uh, I'll make sure I get you on it on next episode. In the meantime, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He's Kurt Chase Patrick, and we will see you on Thursday.